Welcome to the Grow to Gold podcast. On today's episode, I have Anthony Nawara, and I am super excited to introduce this guy to my audience. Longtime friend, him and I have known each other for, what's it, almost a decade at this point? Eight years. Eight years, man. Feels like it was yesterday. So Anthony, how are you? Let's dive in. I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm just uh, excited to be on here and share some thoughts and have some good conversation and see where it leads to. I love it. Yeah. The best part about these podcasts is they tend to be pretty unscripted and they usually turn out to be pretty good. So let's not jinx it, but I appreciate everybody for joining us. So first things first, man, you and I share, you and I share a similar background. We got into the door-to-door industry eight, nine years ago, and it's changed our both of our lives. But what I think the really cool thing is, and I'd love to hear this from you, you've really taken this thing and transformed it into something much bigger. I think there's the thing I think you're most known for is really financial literacy and how you transitioned from door-to-door sales to really build yourself up from nothing to where you're at right now. So let's start the story there, man. Talk about what got you into door-to-door. Talk about what maybe what lessons that taught you. And I'd love to hear the beginnings of that. So something that I've been doing now with my employees and new hires is I use this thing. It's called Predictive Index. And essentially, you fill out, um, it's like a short quiz, and you look for words that you would correlate with, correct? You know, that, that feel right to you. And when I did mine, there is the self, and then there's this self concept, right? So there's the self with how you view yourself, and then there's the self concept where how you view you should be doing, like how you feel like you should be acting. Now, the self, when you fill that out, that's essentially you from the age of eight to like 13 years old. So that's how I've always been. And uh, after I filled it out, I realized that I'm a very type A, which is like, I like to win. I'm competitive. I'm very independent. um, I'm flexible. uh, I'm very good at delegating. So I think I didn't realize until later on in life. And I think what Door to Door did for me was it opened up the opportunity to explore my potential. And I always had different jobs and I never really had something that gave me the opportunity to like... Uh, let my personality shine or like, let me be me. Right. I was always very restricted or, you know, a nine to five or a W2 employee or whatever. And I, everything had a ceiling. So when I, when I, I got lucky enough to get into the industry and there was no ceiling and I was able to let my personality shine, I felt like it was a good fit for me considering who I am. Cause I do like to compete and I do like to win. And I feel like my personality set myself up for success beyond the doors because once i felt like i was winning on the doors or winning in that sense i just got addicted to that feeling of playing the game and everything else kind of just started to like line up in that direction um door to door for me was more of a vehicle and i still and even with my solar guys i tell them i tell them that as well i think you know i don't want you guys knocking if you guys are knocking on doors in 20 years we're doing something wrong here like you shouldn't be knocking doors in 20 years from now. And that's okay. I, I'm nothing against knocking doors. I think it's like the greatest skill ever. And if my whole entire life fell apart, I have that skill and it's the best, right? It's awesome. Or if I needed extra money, whatever the situation is, right? I have so much respect for everyone who is selling still and has been selling. But my goal for my guys is my purpose statement is actually to create success while living their best life. So I want to create something for them that helps them become successful financially but I also want them to live their best life, right? So I, I think for most of us, and, and Brett, you can attest to it, right? Um, knocking takes like 
like three years of your life knocking is almost like 10 years of your life in corporate or something, right? It's just so, because because the, the traditional job, you're working a nine to five, but you're really not working those hours, right? You may be fully engaged for like two or three hours throughout the day, like fully engaged. With knocking, you're engaged the whole entire time. Like you have to be. You have to be on point consistently. Your body language has to be good. Your tonality has to be good. You have to think six steps ahead of if I say this, if they say that, where is this going? So I think the amount of energy required is super high. So I think that's what people struggle with. You know what I mean? Everyone's like, oh, you can knock 20, 30 hours a week and uh, you know, you'll know, you make this amount of money. It's like those 20, 30 hours are intense hours though, right? Yeah. So, um, but I, yeah, I want to let you go. I kept No, no, up. for sure. For sure. Listen, it, it's, there's so much value there. So I wanted to let you keep going. The one thing I've been seeing you post a lot about in your content, and I think you do this better than, than almost anybody is you talk a lot about conviction mm -hmm. and I'd love to hear your attitude on that because what you just talked about there is, yeah, you can go out and knock doors for 20, 30 hours a week, but if you, if you have the right conviction, that could be equivalent to somebody else's 50 or 60. And I think right. the big thing for you is, is you've, you've kind of seen, it seems like, and again, I could be wrong about this, but it seems like you're, you bend time in certain ways by creating relationships with high levels of conviction. And when you're doing something, you're not kind of passively and haphazardly doing it. You're doing it with a level of conviction that isn't just being out knocking doors. And I think that's really led to a lot of your, what would be considered success. So can you touch, touch on conviction a bit for us? Yeah. So I, I'll give you an example already, uh, just for door to door. And I know we have that type of audience. So you have two closers, right? And they both have, they both have the same ability and they both have the same design, right? So one design comes back and it's an 80% offset, 10 kilowatt. And the other design comes back and it's 82% offset, nine kilowatt, whatever. Now, whoever believes that's a good deal is going to close that deal, right? It doesn't matter what their ability is, their tonality, it doesn't matter how they speak. If they don't feel like they would do that deal personally or if it's a good if it's a bad deal, they're not going to be able to convey that to the homeowner, right? So even when I go up to a door or a, an interaction, if I truly believe that I'm doing them a disservice by not helping them, like it's it's knowing versus thinking, right? So how I categorize that is if there's a light switch and I think that if I touch it or turn it up or down, the lights will go on or off. That is like 40%, 30% conviction. But if I know, if I was willing to bet a million dollars that if I hit that switch, I know for sure that that light's going to go on or that's going to go off. That's conviction to me. And I want to live in a way that if I had a thousand lives, 999 of them, I'd be successful. So that has to do with me being convinced in my process. And I feel like all of it's just a paradigm shift. And it's funny because I was going over this with my guys today uh, for setting appointments, right? So some of them, they get they have this scarcity mindset when they're setting appointment, like they're going to lose it or it's flaky or whatever. And uh, I'm like, dude, it's because you're not making it important to that homeowner or important enough, right? And it's almost like, you know, even missing a meeting. And so I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I missed the meeting. I'm like, hey, listen, if this was an airplane and you guys had to be here or the airplane takes off, would you miss that? Would you miss that airplane? And everyone's like, no, no way. Why? Because you have commitment there, right? You've paid for it. Like there's there's places to be. It'll screw up your whole entire week. So th those things, when you take things that are important to you in life and you put it on that level of priority, that it's like an airplane taking off, like you have to be there early. You have to be prepared. Then your whole, everything starts to change. Um, 
I think also with this appointment stuff though, was I told him, I said, listen, forget the calendar. Forget if there's 20 open slots or 10 open slots in your brain. Just think there's one open slot, right? There's only one slot. And the reason why you're getting flaky and reschedules is because you're, you're putting off this energy like, oh, I can reschedule you. Oh, we could do it this day. Oh, we could do it that way. Versus like, hey, listen, this is the time that we have. Well, obviously you have to option close them, right? Hey, are you available later in the week, early in the week? You know what I mean? Mornings or evenings. And then you get that, you know, that type of uh, idea where you could tie them down. They tell you, hey, um, later in the week works good for me. Evenings. Okay, cool. So like uh, Thursday at five or Friday at five. Uh, I don't know. You know, hey, listen, uh, can we do Friday at five? Because honestly, this is really important. And if we're not able to get it this Friday, I, we probably won't be able to get you for a couple months, right? So everyone's trying to do this in this area. That's really the only slot we have allocated. I'm going to put you in for Friday for five. You're good for that, right? Uh, yeah, I guess I'll make it. Uh, hey, listen, man, a lot of people want to do this. I don't, I don't want you to say, yeah, I guess I'll make it. It's really, really important. I need to know that unless aliens come on Friday, you're going to be there at five. Yeah, yeah, I, I got you. Cool. Handshake, right? That's a sit, man. That's not like, oh, yeah, da, 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 like whatever. Maybe something happens. So it's all in that framework. You get it. Yeah, that's powerful. And again, I think the biggest thing here is you you can talk about that, right? Like that's a very similar message that you give, that I give, that I think a lot of people in our space that have been doing this for a minute all understand. But there's an unconscious belief that goes with that, right? And I think it's something where it's not what you say, it's more so how you say it. So when it comes to just the overarching picture, right? Because the biggest thing I want to continue to hit on with you, everybody knows, you know, the ins and outs of the solar game. Where I think we would do a disservice to people with this conversation is if we don't continue to push the ball forward and talk more about really how you've been able to transition from a guy that's made multiple six figures, personal selling, running an office, right? And and really step that up to what you're doing in some of your other ventures, because it's all a mindset. And that's ultimately what I want people to understand, because I personally doubt myself in some of those ways right? I'm not at the level that you're at financially from different investments, right? And, and why, that's why- Why do you, why do you doubt yourself? Again, these are the things I'm trying to figure out within my own framework, <laughs> right? And that's why I wanted th- this podcast is exactly the reason why I wanted to have you on here because I love to learn from the people that come on this show as much as I want to put this out to other people, right? And, and I don't know a lot of reasons why I do that. That's why I wanted to have this conversation with you. There's some limiting beliefs that I suffer from where I watch my dad go to work at 1.30 in the morning for 40 years. And my framework is you either work really hard or you don't make money. And I happen to have found an industry where I can work really hard, make a few hundred thousand dollars a year. But there's also this scarcity mindset of like, I don't know what to do with the money when I get it. Right. So that's that invested into, you know, some safe retirement stuff. But I've seen you and some of the stuff you post and you know, you have this attitude of I can make $100,000 in a day, I can make a million bucks a month, and there is no ceiling. And I think a lot of people get stuck there, myself included, where it's like, I know how to go hustle. But how do you have this abundance attitude of like, cool, I got this, I leveraged the door to door skill set to be able to get myself to the next level. And I'd love to understand your mindset and framework on that. And then maybe we can get a little tactical as well. Cool. Yeah, I think the main thing for me that I understood was, um, I'm a so everyone used to say to me, Anthony, you're so fearless. You're the fearless leader and all that stuff. And like, you're not afraid to get rejected. And I, dude, I was afraid every day, like every day of my life, I was afraid. But the way I look at fear is it's like fire. 
right? And fire can either burn down your house or it could keep it warm, right? So my fear of losing, right? Or fear of not being great or fear of not winning is what drove me like very intensively, right? Like, so I think I operate out of fear, but in the positive light where a lot of people operate out of fear in the negative light, they're always scared or worried and I think you need to be optimistically paranoid in a sense, right? Like I'm, I, I call myself, uh, uh, I, I say I'm, uh, I'm a pessimistic bull, right? Like I, I'm, I'm very bullish on life, but I'm always, I'm always a tad bit pessimistic, you know? Um, I like to look at things like a chess player would uh, sometimes too much. And I look for like 10 steps ahead, right? They say, um, was it a, uh, uh master i forget the exact terminology but they understand things from 13 steps ahead so i try to look at how everything's going to play out right but i'm also the i'm also the guy that i keep people around me where um i'm the guy who just wants to start the rocket ship <clears throat> i i just like i just it's on my brain i want to get it moving and i have really good people around me that like make sure that we have fuel in the rocket <laughs> and we have a door on right so I think the difference between me sometimes and um, other people is I'm an initiator. <clears throat> I'm not afraid to fail because I have very strong belief in myself. So I know if things don't go wrong, I don't go to exactly the plan. I'll figure it out. Like I'm very adaptable in that sense. So I know I'm going to fail, right? It's like, it's like a guy going out and saying, I'm afraid to knock today because someone's going to tell me screw off. Well, that's going to happen. Like you're going to get noticed today. Like you are going to fail. So like, I don't really, I, you have to start with, a small an, enough amount of money that it's not going to destroy you right and then that's what you learn with but you have to learn with money you have to lose with you have to lose honestly the worst thing that could happen to you is you put money into something and you hit a home run your first at bat it's the worst thing because then you think every at bat is going to be a home run and lottery you're lottery winners lottery yeah, winners you're going to lose you're going to lose it all very quickly it's, it's it's what happened to a lot of people in 2020 and then after right so 2021 everyone lost everything but um, yeah, I, I think I'm just very comfortable being uncomfortable and uh, I like it. I like pressure. Um, I put myself in positions where, uh, so even when I was a kid, man, I've never had, I've always paid a credit card bill fully 100%, even when I was making $200 a week. I can be making $500,000 a week. I can make $200 a week. I'm always paying that credit card fully. So I'm never overextending myself or over leveraging myself. I live good, but I never live anywhere close to where my income is, you know? Um, yeah, that's, that, that's powerful. I want to just ask you one other question. So a good friend of mine, his name is James Bracken. He runs the podcast, You Can Too. And he's been asking the people that come onto his podcast this one question, I think fits in super well here. And like you said, I appreciate the vulnerability, first of all, with that, with that being said, going into this question, what's one belief that you feel like you're working to unlearn right now? Unlearn? Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I'm, I need to unlearn is that, shoot, man. That's it's a, a tough one. one. It's a tough yeah. question, right? Because again, from the outside, dude, and I'll give you some time to think about this and kind of just set the tables to why I asked this question, right? From the outside, dude, beautiful home, beautiful fiance, right? Bunch of money in the bank, cars you want, watches, right? Like from the outside, Anthony Noir has got the life. Right. But I appreciate you being open and honest about some of the fears you still struggle with and right. you have struggled with, right? right? So there's still a belief in there, probably multiple beliefs in there. 
that you're working to unlearn to continue to lock unlock even deeper levels. So anything come to the surface that you feel like you're still struggling with? Because I want this to be a humanizing podcast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the biggest thing that I probably struggle I've struggled with is is like health anxiety. And uh my oh. appendix, yeah, my appendix erupted right out of nowhere. I was with you. <laughs> and uh I'm the guy that like my I tore my labrum and three years it was torn and I was like, yeah, whatever, whatever. And then I just couldn't sleep at a point and then I went to get surgery and the guy was like, dude, your, your shoulder's in two pieces. Like, how'd you deal with this? So I was always just put everything off. And that's why I almost died from my appendix. Cause I put it off, put it off, put it off. And then I'm at the point where I'm like, I couldn't like move. So, you know, after that, I was in the hospital three weeks, et cetera, et cetera. But after that, man, I had so much PTSD from anytime I got a stomach ache, anytime I got sick, I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to go to the hospital again. You know what I mean? So that's been something I've been dealing with. And it's funny because uh, obviously people look at me and they're like, oh, this kid's got a really strong mindset. So it's almost like, what the hell? Anthony has anxiety. Like, that's crazy, you know? But um, yeah, man, that's just something that I've struggled with. You know, I've had panic attacks, anxiety attacks, um, you know, overstimulation in my brain, I think, because uh, I do, uh, I can't turn it off sometimes, you know? It's something that I've had to learn. So I think, you know, I, I'm very into money and and finances and stuff like that but um after making a lot and doing a lot uh you know health is huge man i know that it's new wave now health is wealth and I, it sounds so corny and cliche but oh. everything feels so much better when i'm healthy like everything dude i stopped drinking alcohol like eight months ago uh i haven't drank caffeine in years which caffeine's not bad for you but i don't want the stimulation of it um i don't smoke i go to bed early now i wake up early like these things like listen you could go to bed at 2 a.m and wake up at 4 a.m and be successful it has nothing to do with i could never never make my bed and be successful i could drink alcohol every day and still be a millionaire it doesn't have to do with success but it has to do with peace of mind and like your just human ability to like perform like you know what i mean like elon could be an alcoholic and he'll still be a billionaire right? It doesn't mean he's operating at the best he can. It doesn't mean he's happy. Like, you know what I mean? So yes, people make fun of that stuff. Like, oh yeah, da, 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 da. it's, but it's just, it's more about, you know, winning habits for yourself and longevity and sustainability. And I think for me and you being in the solar space, it's funny because it's all about sustainability. And like, I'm all about like human sustainability for myself now, you know, I want to, you know, I wouldn't want to be 80 or 70 years old and everything's kind of crapping out on me. Like that's not living. You know what I mean? That's like, that's, you're pretty much dead at that point. So I want to make sure I take care of my body. Cause it's kind of like the airplane, right? Like when, if the airplane's going down, you got to put the mask on first before you can help other people. So, um, I feel like a hypocrite or, you know, a phony, if I'm standing in front of the room and telling people like work hard, do this, whatever. And, and I'm not working hard and I'm not living up to my potential. Um, so that's kind of what how I look at myself in the mirror uh, and and think of it like, you know, I just don't want to I'm very into being authentic and trying to be as genuine as I can and vulnerable and being open with people. So I just, you know, I want to be a leader that there's no question that I'm I'm doing what I can uh, if I'm going to tell these guys to, you know, push themselves, you know. So. Yeah, for sure. And, I'm, and I appreciate you sharing all that. I think it really, again, that just goes back to what we were talking about before about the unspoken belief. Right. The conviction aspect is knowing that you're and I love how Ed Milet says this, you're keeping the promises you make with yourself. Because, again, I think you like most people. Right. We both grew up in Long Island, New York, um, and it's it's a very much competitive, you know, you are how much you're worth type place. And 
I think success is really measured backwards in a lot of different ways. And, and that's one of the reasons truthfully that I ended up leaving New York. Yeah. And I, uh, I live, I live in Colorado now in the Denver area and it's just a different, it's a different dynamic people. The first thing you, you, when you meet somebody new here, it's not, what do you do for a living and what car do you drive? And I felt like that was kind of a lot of what it was back on the East coast and, and New York more specifically. So with that kind of all being said, right, going back to that conviction level of taking care of yourself, I think you personally, you could say I'm wrong about this, but I think you needed to achieve that level of financial success just because of the environment that we both grew up in. And then I think getting to that point where you realize like, oh shit, I can have all the money in the world. I can have the Ferraris, the Richard Mille, all that type of stuff. But if I don't feel good about myself and I'm still battling anxiety every day and my health is in the toilet, what's it all for? Right. Exactly. Right. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. I think uh, something that I want to add is like, I'm into watches and Ferraris and cars and um, to an extent. Right. And what I mean by that is I'll never buy something that I feel like I can't profit on. Right. So like people like, you know, even, even honestly clothes, like I have clothes that I bought for retail that are worth, you know, I bought it for $500. It's worth $1,500. Like that's something I'm gonna buy. I'm not going to buy something for a thousand dollars. I've been worth for $200. Like, so everyone, you know, has this misconception of like material items, but for me, uh, and I'm just being honest, like a lot of the stuff that I bought has been for branding. I mean, I've been able to grow my influence. And so it's just like, it's, it's, it's like marketing sex. Right. And that gets people interested. And then they, re- and then they, and then I have everything else around it. So it's like, I'm marketing this stuff. Oh, wow. This guy makes money. Oh, he's good. I'm, I'm interested in him. And then like, oh shit, this guy's really interesting. He's actually not all about money though. Right. It's just a good way to get people like in the door. And then once they're in the door, they're like, oh shit, Anthony's actually a really cool, like down to earth dude. He's not like this flashy guy, but it's just a marketing tactic. You know what I mean? I do enjoy this stuff, but more or less like my branding with that is, is just to get attention and then and then you know what i mean and here's the thing dude i i know that about you right and that's what i want everybody else that doesn't already know you the way that i do to understand because it's easy to get lost in the sauce because people are going out there and buying fake richard melees and taking you know renting a private jet to take photos and stacking money on the table and all the bullshit that we see on social media that people perceive as success and it's it's sad because it has a way of high level people with that either They'll never well, attract a high level person. It, it, has, a way of, it has a way of, tra- of, of trapping people, right. right? Because there's so many people that don't have an identity of who they are. They haven't taken those big L's. They haven't gotten suckered into that. And ultimately, if this conversation can stop one person from falling into that, then this was a huge success. Right. And ultimately, I want the world to, to know more about people like you. People that are willing to put their money where their mouth is and go knock and go show like, dude, that that's who I am. 10 right. years into this game, I'm still out knocking doors, not because I have to, but because I, I understand that's what leadership is. Right. I watched my dad, uh, you know, my grandfather started a, a deli catering business after surviving the Holocaust um, in Plainview, New York. And then my dad took it over and I was eight years old, standing on a milk carton, giving change. And that was one of the best you know, business, le- you know, lessons I could have ever learned. Right. But somebody spilt something. And my dad, who's the owner of the company making a few hundred thousand dollars a year cash would rip his apron off and go out there with a line to the door and mop it up and just didn't even think twice. Right. Right. So that, that to me is leadership. And I think you've kind of cracked the code in a sense where you're still willing to do that, but you also understand in a sense, the game, 
that needs to be played to win attention. Yeah. And I think that's just a really powerful concept that I want to learn more about. And I know it's really helping you to do to make the impact you're making. I also think that, you know, I've had this conversation with my coaches and um, business coaches, and uh, there's certain things that the problem with guys like you and guys like me is that we can do these things, right? And we know how to do these things. So if someone's not doing it to the capacity that they should, we end up stepping in and like doing it for them. And that's actually not helping them. It's diminishing them. So there needs to be an approach where you're able and comfortable to delegate and let them fail. Because if you're too engaged in what they're doing and always helping them and always being that leader, you're not, you're actually hurting them. You have to give them that sink or swim. And I think sometimes we do that out of a, of a scarcity mindset. It's very fear-based that we won't be able to replace that person. And, and not that, you know, once you get those emotional attachments to people and you have high trust, but you have low performance from them, that's a, that's a, that's a recipe for a hard time for you too. You really need high trust, high performance, right? You don't want high performance, low trust. You don't want, um, you don't want high performance, low trust. You don't want a low performance, high trust. And I feel like sometimes in our field, we get these emotional attachments to people because we're very vulnerable, right? And we talked about their families and stuff like that. And then we have trouble getting rid of them. But some people aren't meant to do door to door. Some people aren't meant to do this. And it's almost a disservice at some point for them and for us because the amount of energy that it takes us watching them struggle, it's very draining. And then for them, they want to, they love us and they appreciate us, appreciate us as leaders and they want to perform to a certain level. It's draining for them. It's yeah. sometimes best to cut ties and let them sink or swim and for both parties, you know, and I think yeah. that's something that it takes time and, uh, you know, introspecting, whatever you want to call it to understand, like, you're not being a bad leader. You're actually being a good leader by helping them find something else that works for them. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's so true. I think the the only other thing I would say about what you just said right there, and I, I want to get your perspective on this because I understand that one angle, but what's your thoughts on on leaders that don't delegate or empower because they feel like that person might not need them? That might not need them. And can you give me like an example? For sure. They yeah. might not need them in a sense of, I have to do this because that's the control that I hold. That's the dependency, right? There's a lot of leaders that create dependency and control because they feel like people, if they stop needing them, they stop needing them to lead them. They're not, they're no longer valuable. Right. I think that's scarcity. That's fear-based. That's just like, it that's is. just literally, it's a, it's a fear-based scarcity mindset. You know, but how many times have you seen that in our industry and I've just in it. general? I've done it, right? Like I've, uh, and it's unfortunate, but so, so, so here's the thing I've done it in the sense that, you know, there's people that I've worked with that, um, I feel like I have to keep them at a certain length and a certain restriction because they would be, a almost like a loose cannon, right? Like even if they made more money or they made too much, I feel like they would just like, I'm trying to be like a father figure, like relax, calm down. Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't go to the clubs, like don't spend all your money on stupid shit. Right. So I feel like I almost have to like keep them in this container. But doesn't um, that contradict what you just said? hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely felt that way. Like, I'm just, I'm being totally honest. Like I'm trying to change from that and I have been right. And that's, that's all fear-based, right? Cause listen, people are going to mess up. They need to make mistakes. 
they need to leave, they need to do bad things. And it has nothing to do with most of the time you, honestly, it has to do with this, not always, but their character, right? Certain people are just, that's their character trait. Like, you know what I mean? Like, let them be, let them learn. Like I've, I've, the, the thing that I realized is all the mistakes that I've made in my life, the worst mistakes, I regret zero of them because that was my biggest lessons. And it, sounds, it was tax. It was the tax. Yeah. It was the success tax. Yeah. Right. No, it sure. was, it was the tax that was required to get to where you are because you said it perfectly, right? If that person inherits $10 million and they win the lottery and there really wasn't a lot of skin in the game for them to all of a sudden have a huge financial windfall, which we see happen all the time in the solar industry. People right. come in and they, they have not a two pennies to rub together and two months in, they got 20 grand in the bank and that might as well be 200 million, yes. right? Everybody <laughs> has a th certain thermostat setting. Right. right. And, and I if you're, that. I love that. yeah, if your thermostat setting is 72 degrees and now all of a sudden you're running at 75 or 80, what happens, right? All of a sudden the AC is going to kick on. It's going to cool you back down to 72. And again, just to go back to it, I, I think of all people that I've known, as long as I've known you, I've seen you handle that, that growth and that progress and the, the diligent turning up of your thermostat better than most, yeah. where a lot of people in our industry have made a lot of money. And then I think, you know, they just don't have a show for it. Yeah. I think for me, I don't care about the money. Like I do. I love money. I love making money, but it doesn't, I don't think about it every day. Like, so even for real estate, I think about the process. I think about winning. I think about the game. I'm playing a game, right? So even in like solar, I didn't really think about how much I'm making this week or my bank account. I thought about being the number one guy, trying to be the number one guy, right? Or like trying to be the number one leader. So I was so engaged in the game, like a sport, like LeBron doesn't, LeBron cares about how much he makes, but he cares about winning a championship, winning, winning a championship. Then the byproduct is make a lot of money and endorsements and stuff like that. Right. So I think whatever field you're in, if you're really engaged with the game and you understand how to play the game, and that's what I talk to my guys about too. I'm like, Hey, listen, you know, you're 19 years old. You're going to make 20 grand, 15 grand a month, whatever. Who cares? Focus on the scoreboard, focus on playing the game. That will give you the best return ever, right? It'll make you go to your potential. It'll make you have fun. You won't. It won't feel like work. It'll feel like play. You know what I mean? And and uh, you know that's with gamification and culture and stuff of that nature. But I think for me, I uh, yeah, man, I don't even know how much I'll make in real estate this year. I really don't care. I'm just trying to play the game, like the Monopoly game. You know, trying to have fun, learn, right? Uh, build in and out. Uh, solar, I have no, I don't even know what I made last year or the last few years. I know I've done well in everything, but I just try to play a game. I'm just trying to constantly play a game, have fun. I'm a perpetual learner. Uh, you know, my core values are loyalty, authenticity, belief, respect, stuff like that. And uh, I like to learn. So for me, it's just um, trying to get better, trying to learn and, uh, be, you know, be as good as I can, right, as a, as a human being. Um, and, um, you know, and I, I, there's people out there that will say you're an asshole and there's people out there who say I'm an asshole and maybe I was to them. Right. Or maybe I'm, I'm not. And it's just their perception. And I'm okay with that just because I feel like I am who I am. Like I'm very authentic with myself. So, um, I definitely try to be a good human. I think, I think authenticity helps in life. I think I've made really good networks with people because my interactions are genuine and I'm not coming to a place of trying to use somebody. Um, and they feel that, and then we have conversations and they're like, Hey man, let's do this together. Let's do that together. And I'm like, all right, cool. You know what I mean? I'm very like, it's not even sales. Like, I don't feel like I'm selling them either. Like, I don't feel like I'm taking a sales approach. I'm more or less gen genuinely interested in them. 
and I have some sort of value on my side that they feel like I can add and I, they have value on their side and we just become friends and then, you know, business relationships happen out of it. It's, it's cool. Like, it's cool to see play out, you know, and I think uh, over time, you and myself dealing with people and communicating with them, you can kind of see who's real and who's fake. Um, so I think I've, I've spotted out a lot of fake business relationships and because uh, those are those are taxing <laughs> those are very taxing yeah um but yeah man i think i think i've done a good job with that um and i think a lot of people wonder like oh how'd you get into real estate development stuff like that honestly dude i was i bought a watch it was a very rare watch there was 12 of them in the world and uh it was cool it's a your work awesome off and then i bought another one from this guy in monaco and I didn't want it anymore. And I was like, you know what, dude? Can I just sell this Euro? He's like, I'm like, do you know anyone? And he's like, yeah, I got this guy in LA. I'm like, okay. And uh, I hit up the guy in LA. His name's Amr. And I'm like, hey, man, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I'm a real estate development. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm like, yeah, man, we have some crazy watches, huh? He's like, yeah, da, 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 follow me on Instagram, right? I see he's got a Ferrari and he's into that. And we just start chatting, 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 right? Whatever it is. Now we're business partners. You know, he's he's going to be at my wedding and... You know what I mean? We're building, a, you know, hopefully one day a billion dollar real estate company together. So it's just, that wasn't planned. <laughs> like I didn't seek this guy out to like, you know, do this. We just genuine interactions and authentic. And he felt like I had value on the sales side, right? Like I just understood sales and he's just a guy that's really good at architect and real estate. And he, he thought I could contribute some value to his, uh, his, his vision in life, right? Or his, his goals. So we just aligned in that way. We're also the same age, which helps, I guess, right? You know, uh, it's cool to to work with people who are doing well around the similar age because you feel like you know you can grow together. Um, it's weird though, man. I think me and you maybe I don't know how you feel about this, but I don't have like a lot of like fifty year old friends. Like I don't have like mature older friends, which I feel like I should because I feel yeah. like I would learn. I feel like I would learn a lot from them. But yeah, man, a lot of the a lot of the success that I've had in life, I don't think it's luck. I just think it's genuine, authentic like relationship building. You know. So. Yeah, I think it goes back to, I mean, that that's so powerful. And you kind of led me right where I wanted to really go with this anyway. But in terms of just tactically building these relationships, right? If you don't have a half a million dollar watch, I don't know how much that watch costs, but if you're not in that ability to connect with people and, and add value to somebody like that, what do you think tactically for the 20 to 25 year olds? guy or girl that's listening to this podcast right now and trying to say, Hey, look, like obviously these two guys have a, you know, have a well-respected reputation and what they've been doing. Right. But maybe I'm not there yet. Maybe I'm just starting right. out on my journey. Maybe I'm that 19 year old on your sales team that is, you know, believing in myself for the first time going out there, willing to knock doors and build relationships. Like tactically, where does somebody start? Right. So, um, I didn't even have a Richard Mill before I became friends with this billionaire in the city that had his Richard Mill. But I understood them, so I could speak his language, right? You understood so, the billionaire or the watch, the just watch. to clarify. Okay, I under I understood the language of high end watches, right? So we just became friends talking about watches. He's way higher level than I am, right? Financially, but we spoke the same language and a language that he liked, right? So even if you could buy a Ferrari, if you don't know what the what the F a Ferrari does or anything about it, you really don't have value to a high level guy, right? They want genuine conversations like real conversations right so uh i can't give the best answer to this about tactically um you know i think you should like i was genuinely interested in watches and cars because that's how it is and i'm just like a deep diver i like to learn right so the conversations were natural 
It's like going into a house and you hate football and the guy's got football everywhere. And you're like, oh, yeah, I love football. And he's like, yeah, you know, did you watch the game last week? And like, yeah, they scored a, a basket hoop. Like, what? You know what I mean? There's, there's no real. So I think, I think tactically, if you want to uh, become friends with high net worth people, do a, like a little bit of research on what high net worth people, where they're at, what they like to do, get in those environments and learn about what they, they speak their language. Learn how to speak their language. If someone came up to me today and was literally had $2,000 in his bank account, didn't know, you know, wasn't like a high achiever, but he had a lot of ambition and he knew everything about watches. He's like, oh man, dude, you got an Audemars Breguet open work ceramic perpetual calendar on. Like that thing's amazing. I did it. I'm like, how do you know about that? He's like, oh, I just love APs. Like I would have a real conversation with him versus some kid that's like, hey man, what's going on? Like, can you teach me about business and I'll buy you lunch? Like, like I don't want to talk. Like you know what I mean. So I think I think tactically speaking, um, don't do that either. Don't just reach out to someone who's successful and say, "Hey, man, I'll buy you lunch or I'll get you coffee." I get that all the time, and I'm like, dude, either like provide some sort of value or like say, ask me how much it costs, right? And if I feel like you're a good kid, maybe I'll just do it for you. But like you know, it's like almost a disrespectful. Like, oh, dude, like, can I take you out for coffee? Like, bro, it's fucking four dollars. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I just, uh, I, it's not going to work, at least for me. Um, you know, so I think tactically speaking, uh, the first thing people are like, how do I build my brand? How do I build my brand? Be someone that's worth listening to. Be someone that's interesting. Like, 100% work on yourself. You have to become somebody who's valuable. Like, create value. Like, it's something that even I learned in real estate. The best deals you're going to make is not the house you just buy for market value. Like it's the development deals where you're literally creating the value. You're buying land and creating value. That's where you make your most amount of money. And that's the same thing with life, man. If you go into a situation and you're just like, how can I create value here and be a good person? Yeah, you might get screwed over here and there, but dude, in the long run, you're going to be good because you're a value, you're a value creator. You know what I mean? And you do the right thing. And there's times where I felt underpaid or underappreciated. And I kind of just was like, it's all good, man. I'm creating value. I'm, cre I'm going to be undeniable. Right. So when you become undeniable and you're so valuable, that it's just impossible for you not to to do well. So I think for anyone who wants to build a brand, stop trying to like do a TikTok on your dance moves and try to be someone of value and 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 create it, you know, and just go out there and fail and fail and fail and keep failing. And eventually something will stick, you know? Like like I said, um luck is a lot of uh trying and failing until something sticks and then things start to manifest, you know? Yeah, that's powerful. I mean, it's all of that was just so much value. And if you need to go back and listen to that, which I highly recommend you do, I mean, that that's kind of what I was hoping you would get at. Because I don't really think there's a super, here's a one, two, three step process to add value. I think it's different for everybody. And again, I think a lot of people get stuck because they see certain formulas working for certain people. And they say, well, that's not the way I would do it. And then they kind of just get stuck and they put their head in the sand. Right. But there's a different roadmap to success for everybody. 100%. And uh, I think that's that's what people constantly need to be reminded of. Just because you don't do it the way Anthony did it or the way that I'm doing it or the way that other people are doing it doesn't mean that there's not a road to success for you. You just have to be willing to face, to face your fears and, and take those risks. And I think that's really the overarching theme, at least that I've taken away from the conversation with you today is really just don't be afraid to fail. And in fact, fail fast and fail as quickly as possible, because you're going to realize that on the other side of that fear and failure, it's it's not as bad as you think it is. 
And I tell people this story all the time. I finally shaved my head. And for somebody like Anthony, who knows me for as long as he does, I started losing my hair at 18 years old. I got that. I, I love it. I love Thank it. I, you, think, bro. I think it looks great. I think it's like, it's like your identity now. It's awesome. Dude, you know what's funny? On a side note, I shaved the head and the beard grew in. Well, used to be kind of patchy. <laughs> so I don't know for anybody out there that's, that's, you know, might that's work funny. for you too. But the, the whole story behind what I was just sharing there about this, and hopefully this helps somebody is I, I started losing my hair at like 18 years old and I would avoid mirrors, right? Like it was my biggest insecurity. And I don't know about you with, you know, your health and fitness, Anthony, but maybe that's, you know, an insecurity of yours or was at some point and you noticed that on somebody else first because it's an insecurity of yours. Like that's how it was for me. And for 10 years, I would avoid mirrors. Like I just, I would hate to take photos. Like I crop my stuff out. So like you wouldn't see it. Right. And uh, then one day my wife and I were living in Chicago at the time. And she's like, Hey, today's the day. And she wouldn't tell me what that meant. So we go to a speakeasy. It's called the blind barber in the Fulton market. And uh, you know, we start taking shots of tequila and I'm like, Oh my God, nothing good's going to happen after this. And uh, you know, we go to the front and the front of it's a barber shop. And she had planned the whole thing and she's oh like, God. sit down and today's the day and just right through. Right. And, and I couldn't even watch, right. Like the, the barber literally had to spin me around. And then when it was done, I look in the mirror and I'm like, holy shit. I was so scared of this for 10 freaking years. Yeah. And then I look in the mirror and I'm like, this actually looks really good. Yeah. I like and it now, man. And for the first time, man, but I, I think back to the 10 years of pain and, and fear that I caused myself and anxiety. And it was like, shit, it didn't have to be this hard. And I just, I think so many people do this in so many different avenues in life. Right. And it's rare to find somebody at you're, you, you're 33 also, right? You and I yep, have the same age. I mean, it's, it's rare to find somebody at 33 because to, you know, majority of the world, it feels like we're 70 but we're not, and we're just getting started. So with, with all of that being said, and I want to, I want to wrap it up here and just give you a chance to close it out. But with all of that being said, right. If there's one piece of advice you can go back and give yourself, like, like for me, it's, you know, fail quicker and take more risks. And like the shit you're scared of is, is it's, it's not as big of a deal as you believe it to be. And it's holding you back tremendously. Right. What do you think just on that note could be something like that? Totally different. What, what do you want to leave people with today? You know, it's funny. I, I felt similar, similarly to you when I had, like, I had red hair growing up. Right. So like, I didn't want to go to the beach. Like I was just very insecure about my hair. You know what I mean? Like, just like sure. always, uh, you know what I mean? So there's solutions obviously, right. You could dye your hair, you could do hair transplants, but and stuff. I just like that you embraced the natural approach of it. It's 10 years, like, bro. I wish I did it sooner, but yeah, no, it's, that's great, man. I think, um, the number one thing that I would leave people with, and I see it, listen, I'm limited to my lens of sales, right? So, uh, I think people on this, you know, I think if anyone wants is really truly into making money, they should be in a sales position like a hundred percent. Right. And then there's people on here that they love cooking and they don't really care about money. And hundred percent. Like I think just figuring out, like writing down. So what you do is you take three people that in your life that you actually know and that you admire, right? You take these three people that you know in your life that you admire, right? And you put down their names and then you write seven of their attributes that you like. 
right? So let's say it's, I use my fiance and for her, I love that she's authentic. I love that she's loving. I love that she's forgiving. And then I use my friend and I say, I love that he's ambitious. I love that he's that. I love that he's that, right? And you take these three people that you look up to and admire and you take the attributes from them that all are similar, right? And then that you take, you take probably three of those and that's really who you are, right? That's, those are your core values. And I think you need to operate then on at that level. Like you have to figure out really what your core values are and never deviate from that. Because when you start deviating from your core values, that's when you start to feel anxiety and depression and turmoil and stuff of that nature, right? So I think once you take that approach, whatever you do in life, whatever purpose you have, follow your core values, whether it's making money or you know helping animals and stuff like that. Um, I think that's the most important thing. I don't really care. I don't, you know, I treat people who make... 20k a year the same as i choose people who make 20 million a year i don't really i don't even look at people like that like i did for like a literally a minute i'm not gonna lie right i did i used to judge when i was in like my cars and the ferraris i'd be like oh man that guy's only has that like it's so stupid but i don't think like that anymore um and uh, i just want people that i interact with to be good people and happy you know so i think that's very extremely valuable if you want to be in sales though if you want to be financially free um you know there's different approaches you have to take uh i definitely recommend sales and then obviously just taking all that fear all that fear and don't get rid of it use it use that fear like use it to uh keep your house warm or keep your mansion warm or keep your building warm right whatever you're trying to build to it could be a small little cabin it could be a huge building in manhattan but use that to to uh keep that warm right keep your temperature up there um, because if you don't, if you use it the opposite way, it's literally going to burn down everything that you love and everything that you want. Boom. Boom. There's literally nothing else to say. So Anthony, in closing, man, where can people find you? Where can people connect with you more? If they took some value from this conversation and they want to get, they want to reach out to you. They want to get to know you a bit more, figure out how to network with you. Where can they do that? I think the easiest way for me and the most dominant uh, platform that I'm on is definitely Instagram. And my at is Anthony dot and as in Nancy, U A R A. So at Anthony dot Nuara on Instagram. And you just send me a DM. If you listen to this podcast and you send me a DM and say, Hey, I, you know, I followed you from the podcast. I'll follow you right back. If that's some sort of incentive, but, um, yeah, just because anyone that's like on here and, and trying to learn, I think is someone that I would want to follow back anyways, right? So um, that's where you find me, you know, send me a DM. Uh, I like voice notes because I could respond, I could listen quicker. You know, if you send me three paragraphs, it's a little tougher. So I recommend voice notes and I apologize if I don't respond right away, but I'll, I'll try to get to you and, and give you some feedback if I can. Awesome. This was so awesome, man. I appreciate you doing this. We've been trying to set this up for a little bit and I love the fact that it finally came together. So thank you for your time. Thank you to jumping in for a, another episode of the Grow to Gold podcast. Subscribe and like if you haven't done that or done, done that yet already so we can alert you anytime there's a new episode and we'll bring on more people just like Anthony and or at least we'll try to and uh, we'll add some value to your life. So thank you so much for listening and have an awesome day.